it's not something easy to find if you ain't never heard it before. Uh, Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 5, the Word of God says this, Who is this that cometh up from the wilderness, leaning upon her beloved? I raised thee up under the apple tree, there thy mother brought thee forth. There she brought thee forth that bare thee. Set me as a seal upon thine heart, as a seal upon thine arm, for love is strong as death. Jealousy is cruel as the grave. The coals thereof are coals of fire, which hath a most vehement flame. And verse 7 says this, Many waters cannot quench love, neither can the floods drown it. If a man would give all the substance of his house for love, it would utterly be contemned. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for allowing us to come together here tonight. Lord, I thank you for the ones that had a desire. I, I thank you for the song service that we've had, the Bible study that we've had. Lord, I thank you for the, uh, the spirit that's already here tonight, Lord Father. We thank you for uh, the song of Solomon, Lord Father, the, the love letter, the, the understanding of what a relationship is throughout the book. And Lord, I just pray that we'll be able to grow uh, from hearing this, Lord Father. I pray that your will will be done. I pray that your uh, spirit would just come down and just fill us completely up, Lord Father, that we can preach uh, the Word of God in a way that's pleasing unto you. In Jesus' name I ask, amen. amen. Now, uh, in, in the Song of Solomon, uh, once again, we've, we've been at this morning, and I've never been stuck on a particular book uh, like I have uh, this particular book. And uh, we're right here at the end. Of my, mine ends on that page. You flip it and there's no more. Uh, I don't know if God will put me back on something else, but... Uh, there's lots of things that I skipped, lots of things that I didn't preach from it, uh, uh, but we want to have God use this scripture tonight, uh, this particular thing that's going on. Uh, uh, my Bible doesn't give a title to really anything that goes on much in this, in this particular piece. Your, your Bible may have different titles. The only thing mine says is, Bridegroom speaks, or the grooms, or the bride speaks. Bridegroom or the bride speaks. That's the only thing it says in mine, so I don't have a whole lot of titles. Uh, but we get to the end of the Song of Solomon, and we see uh, a lot of things. And I told you to try to read it, and I, I'm glad that if, if you have read it, you've seen a lot. Uh, you, you start to see a relationship build, and we, we've preached different things, we've seen different things. We, if you turn all the way back to chapter 1 of the Song of Solomon, which we, we did not preach, we skipped that, uh, you see a young woman named Shulamite, or, or, or she's called Shulamite, she's out in the fields working, uh, uh, she's complaining a little bit about her life. Uh, we find out later in this particular chapter that she's working in her brother's fields uh, that's being rented from King Solomon, which is who she ended up being married to. Uh, her whole life she thought that she was uh, uh, having to be uh, put down. She's having to work out there. She even complains about the darkness of her skin uh, because of the time she has spent in the sun working in the vineyard as she complains a little bit. Uh, but you see uh, that even though we go through hard times, we struggle as young people or before we enter a relationship as a single person, uh, what God puts you through as a path leads to who you end up with. I want you to understand that. And we see that specifically at the end of the book. In chapter 8, verses 5 through verse 7, we see a distinct showing of what true love is. And that's what we're going to preach on tonight is what exactly is true love. And in these, these three verses here, Solomon sort of spells out uh, what he sees in his wife, what has changed in his wife. And we've already talked about the honeymoon's over. We, we preached that uh, this morning. Hey, you change, uh, people change, things change. You have to adapt. Uh, and you're not the same as you was the day you got married. You're not the same as you was on the first date night that you took your, uh, hopefully your spouse or your loved one out on a date. Uh, you've changed some. And when you get to chapter 8, verse 5, it says, Who is this that cometh up from the wilderness, leaning upon her beloved? Now, Solomon's writing that, it's a question 
question there. Now Solomon knows who it is. He knows it's the Shulamite woman. But what Solomon's trying to say is that she has changed. She's almost unrecognizable. Uh, she has a glow about her. There's a love in her life. Uh, there's a difference in how she is. Uh, now it's 20 years from then. Obviously she might look a little different. Uh, 25, 30. We don't know how long it's been. Uh, she could possibly uh, characteristically look different on her face from aging or whatnot. But what he's trying to say is who is this woman? Uh, she carries herself different. Uh, she acts different. Uh, she speaks differently. Uh, she, she walks differently. She's leaning upon this man that she loves. Who is this? Uh, uh, there should be a difference in even how we look to other people and when we're truly with the one that we love uh, versus when we were single or, or versus before we met the one that we love. We are different. We act different. We speak differently. I can back up. I, I, Lord bless me. I've known Kimberly. We've been dating since we were 15 years old. Uh, we met each other in high school. We met each other in agri-science. We was in an agriculture shop. Uh, we was in high school together for four years before we even met each other. I was on the northern end of the county in Muscadale, Alabama. Uh, she was actually inside Randolph County, Alabama, just inside the line. We was almost as far as two people could be ending up in the same school. Uh, I could have almost went to Harrelson County High School if I really wanted to. I probably could have went to Ranburn in the situation that I left, but we ended up in a school and she could have went to Wedowie and somehow we ended up going to the same school and I don't know how we're completely different people when we meet. Her family has a very large farm and my family has a very small place at a house that they've lived for years and we were just different people. We looked at things differently. Uh, our background was different. Our culture was different that we raised from but when we met we became different people. If people look back, and I, I see people that I went to high school with, I see people that, that knew me at a younger age, and they say, well, Zach, you look different. Of course, I've gained some weight. I, I've lost some hair. I look a lot different. I talked about the long hair that I had in high school. Uh, but I want you to know they look, I should look different because of the glow of the joy that my wife puts on my face, uh, the joy that my family gives me, uh, the joy that uh, servicing in the Lord will give you. I want you to know right now, tonight, who is coming up from the wilderness leaning upon her beloved? And when you get saved and you start following Jesus, you're going to look different or you're going to sound different people aren't going to recognize you when you start following a true and living God there is a difference that's made in us in our lives there's a difference there's a reason for living that has changed we should be different you have to excuse me I got up there singing and I got dry mouth we should be almost unrecognizable we should be different not to the point that we don't physically know us, but when we start to speak, who is this? When we start to say things, when we start to act, when we start to service, when we start to do things in our community, who is that person? People should see a difference in our lives just from the person that we meet. It doesn't matter if it's the, the true spouse that we marry or it's Jesus Christ. Both of them, we should see a difference in our lives. Who is this person? I raised thee up under the apple tree. Now I want you to really contemplate what he's saying here. I raised thee up under the apple tree. There thy mother brought thee forth. There she brought thee forth that bare thee. Now think about what it's saying there. Is that saying that Solomon was there when, when, when her mother uh, bare the child and he raised her up? She, he's that much older than her? That's not what it's saying. What it's trying to say is, is that from the womb, from the time that she was born, he believes that 100% she was made for him. She was made for him. 100% from the time that she was born under the apple tree, from the time she entered this world, she was meant for Solomon. 
And if you don't feel that way about your spouse, I want you to know you need to feel that way. If you're married today, if you're dating somebody and you truly think that you, you, you have that person that you love, you should look at it and say, this person, from the very time they were born, God appointed for them to marry me. God appointed them to be with me. And that's how you should feel. There's sometimes... I want you to know that I've talked about the ups and the downs. We question about things. A lot of us have went through challenging times in our lives. It doesn't matter about what's going on beforehand. Right now, the one that you're married to, you should feel that way about them. You should feel that. That's how Solomon feels about the Shulamite woman. Now, we, we've been in Ecclesiastes. Don's been teaching Ecclesiastes. and well, Vanity is vanity. And, oh, that's so sourpuss, Solomon. That's the, that's the one that's just give up on the world. He's just, he didn't write that before he wrote this right here. Song of Solomon shouldn't even be after Ecclesiastes. It should be before Ecclesiastes. The Song of Solomon is written here in a time where it's one of his, I'd like to think it was one of his very first wives. We know that he had a problem with that. We know that he had 600 wives or whatever, 300 concubines or vice versa. He had a lot of women in his life that drove him away from God. But this is early in his life. This is something he can see, he can surely hold on to. He says, I raised thee up. You were made for me. This is the one true one that I love. And we see that in verses 6 and 7. There's a lot of symbolism in verses 6 and 7 about true love, about being made for one another. In verse 6 it says, Set me as a seal upon thine heart. Now a lot of people think that the Shulamite's speaking here. I'd like to think Solomon's still doing the one talking. Solomon looks at the Shulamite woman he says, baby, you just look different. I don't even recognize you. You're just so vibrant. You're just so, so bright. You're just so happy. You were made for me. And set me as a seal upon that heart. A mark of true love is something that is planned by God. But it's not only just planned by God. I want you to know it's sealed. It's sealed up. It asks for a seal to be placed upon thine heart. And when you think about a king in this time, when they put the seal on a letter or a seal on anything, when a seal was put on by the letter, had a signet ring, a lot of them did, or a signet that they toted around, uh, they would push it in the hot wax, and that was a symbol that that was from the king. That was the kings that did that. When he signed something in the law, he put his signet up on a stamp. And you could see that. Nobody could copy that signet. It was specifically for the king. And the king sealed it up. It was his. Uh, and when it was his, it was made perfect. Uh, There was nobody that could overrule it. There was nobody that could say that wasn't right. When it was there, it meant business. And what he's trying to say here to the Shulamite woman, he says, don't love anybody else. Baby, don't love anybody else in your life. Darling, don't love. I've already said he talks talks nice to her. (laughs) He's going to keep on talking nice. It don't show it here. But he's being nice to his dove, to his love, uh, to his uh, undefiled, uh, to his uh, his princess that we talked about this morning, uh, the royalty that she's expressed as. He he wants to put that seal upon her heart, and you don't need to think about any other man. Think about that. He wants her to think about nobody else. The only thing that needs to be in her heart is a place for him. Now, I, 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 I'll go ahead and preach just a little bit to some of you that, that has kids or has had kids. Your kids has grown. It don't really matter. Uh, sometimes in the household, you know, a lot of times we say, well, blood is thicker than water. We try to we say we should love our kids uh, more than we do our spouse. I want you to realize right out of the gate, right out of the gate, church, the kids grow up. 
the, ch- the kids grow up. If you've got a more of a love, if the only reason you're sticking with your spouse is because you love your kids, you just don't even need to be together. That's a problem there. That needs to be fixed. I'm not telling you you don't need to be together and get split up. I'm telling you it needs to be fixed. There needs to be a love uh, between a husband and a wife that is two to three times stronger, bigger than anything you could ever have for your children. You know why? Because the children go away. Children move out. The children grow up. That's what happens to how many of you have seen relationships and it's mind-boggling that when the children move out, the parents split up. Uh, That's just confusing to me. And you see right out of the gate that there was a love for those children and the love that was for the children wasn't there for the spouses. The only place we need in our heart is for our spouse. I love my little kids to death. I don't love them near as much as I do my wife. She means a lot to me. And she married me. I (laughs) I have no idea why she did that. Uh, She's crazy. And she has stuck with me with all the mistakes that I've made and all the trips to Winn-Dixie when I go through the flower aisle, I have to get her flowers come home and try to butter her back up. She stuck with me, and I don't know why. It's because she loves me. You should have a lot stronger love for your spouse than you do for your children. I'm sorry, children. Your spouses, your parents should love one another more than they do you. That love should be right here, sealed. Nothing else let in. Nothing else has room for the size of the love that you have for your spouse. It says this in the beginning, verse 6, we got that set as a seal upon that heart, as a seal set upon that arm. It goes on to say this, for love is strong as death. You should seal it up because you don't want no other love in there. But what does it say there? Love is strong as death. It's permanent. You know, you take those vows, you promise to love each other, to death do you part. I even was talking to somebody just yesterday. It was kind of just comical. Yesterday I was sitting in a restaurant with somebody that I know, and they brought up vows, brought up marriage vows, and the death till death do you part, and the promise. I want you to know it's permanent. It is a love that you need to have in the household, that you seal it up, you've only got it for your spouse, and the love is strong as death. It is something that you cannot get rid of. You cannot escape. We're all going to die. The love should be there no matter what. It isn't based upon anything else. It's not, it's not something that you have feelings with. You know, if I wake up in a bad mood, I just don't stop loving my wife. I may wake up in a bad mood and hate to turn the TV on because i got a headache. I may be in a sick so bad that I can't stand to go outside because my allergies are flared up. I, I may be so hot outside that I just hate to go outside. But the love for your wife, no matter how hot it gets, no matter how bad times get, you should always be able to look to your wife, your husband, your spouse, and look to them and say, I love you. All the time. It isn't something that's based on personal beliefs or, or feelings. It's always there. It goes on. Jealousy as cool as the grave, the coals thereof, or as coals of fire, which hath a most vehement flame. I want you to know, you should have a love so strong that you can't quench it. It's almost like you love each other so much you can't get enough of each other. I've already said that you should have a a, a love that is permanent. Uh, You should have a love that is strong and that's always going to be there. We should have one that's sealed up. And we should also have one that is so powerful and so strong, we can't get enough of each other. Think about your relationship. You should not be able to get enough. Hey, we preached on excitement the first time we preached. That's the same love we should have for our spouse. And once again, I'm going through this hitting marriage, but it hits the relationship with Jesus Christ all the step of the way. It's permanent. You know that love that Jesus Christ gave us is permanent? No matter what we do, no matter what we say. We talked about that with the second message when, when Solomon stuck his hand through the door, wiped it on the door, wiped the myrrh on the doorknob. He said, I love you no matter what you've done. 
And no matter what mistake you've just made, I still love you. He still stands at the door. He still appreciates you. He's still with you all the way of the permanent love. I want you to know He has that for us. The bridegroom is a representation of Jesus. If y'all missed that, the last three messages, the bridegroom is Jesus. The bride is the church. We should have and understand the love that Jesus had for us is permanent. It's always there. I want you to know it's final. No matter what, through death, through the sealed up, He loves you. It says in verse 7, it says, Many waters cannot quench love. Neither can the floods be drowned. What that says is, is that true love overcomes. True love goes past any kind of disagreement, any kind of heartache, any kind of strife, any kinds of troubles. True love in your life is something that overcomes those things. Boy, I, I preached on problems already before, but we know that love goes past it. You should be able to look at your spouse and you should go ahead and look at Jesus, look up, but go to prayer, whatever you got to do, to try to look at Jesus, try to talk to Jesus and know that no matter what you face in your life, He can overcome it. Look at your spouse and realize look, and understand that they can overcome the problems. They can go past the issues that they have in their life. It says if a man would give all his substance of his house for love, it would, be, it would utterly be contemned. What it's trying to say is you can't buy love. You can't buy it. How many of us have seen those... Uh, Mary and Millionaire stuff. They got these a single bachelor. In the ba- I, I have never watched any of those. I'm sorry if you have. I can't talk with you because I just can't stand it. They got this rich man in there. He's got 30 women lined up just pawing after him. Doing all kinds of unspeakable things just to make sure that it's okay to marry these folks. And, that's, and they never work out. <laughs> it's just it's vulgar. It's nasty and they're only doing it for money. And we see, we call them gold diggers. We call them different things in uh, today's society. And we try to buy ourselves out of love. I've already said, I, I go to Winn-Dixie and I see those flowers. I say, well, I spend $10 on some flowers. That'll fix our problems. If I, if I buy some stuff and cook up some supper and try to do these things, it'll fix the problems. And I want you to know, my wife ain't married to me because I can cook some mean chicken dumplings. She done complained and told me she didn't like them that much. So I need to add something, but... My wife didn't do that. My wife didn't uh, marry me because I have some stupendous job and make all the money in the world. I don't. <laughs> uh, she didn't marry me because of my choice in vehicles or, 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 or the particular preferences that I have. She definitely went and started dating me for my long hair. I said that this morning. But truly, we can't buy love. You have to be into it. You have to be part of it. It's not something that we can go. It's not deserved. We think sometimes that we deserve love. It's not something that we're owed. Think about the love that you have for your spouse right now. The love that you have for your loved one, your boyfriend, your whoever, your girlfriend, you know, whoever that you're with right now. Think about the love that you have for them. It's not owed to you. It wasn't owed to them. You didn't need to give them anything. Where did it come from? How does it start? You had to give it freely. Did y'all realize that? I met my wife. She didn't do anything. She didn't bake me a cake. (laughs) Say, you want to date me? She didn't do that. She didn't, she didn't, hey, I'll give you $100 if you're going to date with me. That don't work. I had to ask her. And we went out on a date. And that love blossomed. I had to give it freely. Jesus Christ came freely. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ came freely, lived a perfect life, went on the cross of Calvary freely, died freely, went to a grave freely, and rose freely. 
He paid for the sins that you've done freely. The same way that you should love your spouse. Your spouse shouldn't have to do anything to receive love from you because they don't deserve it. You don't owe it. It's the same way with the love of Jesus Christ. Uh, he has gave it freely. That's how much the bridegroom loves you. Church, I want you to know tonight, he's done it all. Or the spouse, we should be able to pour out ourselves just the way that Jesus has for our own spouse and the bridegroom. Hey, I'm talking mainly the husbands the ones that I'm talking to for the most part. We should pour out ourselves. Give ourselves over. Show love. We don't love each other based upon performance. We don't love each other based upon how good they do the dishes. We don't love each other based upon a lot of things. We don't based upon, love each other on how fast the other one is or, or love each other on how we pay the bills or love each other because we love each other because we choose to. We love each other because we need to. We feel a, a deep desire to. Same way with Jesus. I can't, I can't preach nobody to heaven. I can't. I can grab them up. I can meet them on the side of the road. I can pray for them in their home. I can get a phone call from them, and I can pray with them. But I want you to know that I cannot give them the love they need to Jesus. I can't. They have to give it freely. It's not something we can step in and, and pray a prayer for. It's not something I can hold hands with. It's not something I can read a magical piece of Scripture and suddenly you're saved. That's not how it works. Jesus gives His love freely. He gives it to the homosexuals. He gives it to the rapists. He gives it to the murderers. He gives it to the liars. He gives it to the thieves. He gives it to the cutthroats. He gives it to very mean people. He loves all of them. Well, sometimes we, we, we think past that. I want you to know, church, He loves you right now. You should be able to look at your spouse. If you have a spouse tonight, you should be able to look to them right now and say, I love you unconditionally. I love you. It doesn't matter how good you do the dishes or how good you cook. I just love you freely. You didn't do anything to deserve it. You didn't do anything that, you, that earned my love. And that's what Solomon's trying to say. He's trying to say that true love is something that's not earned. True love is not something that's owed. A true love is not something that we can let loose and let everybody have a part of. We can't just scatter it around. True love is something that's given freely. Church, I want you to know now, the love that we have in our hearts, the love that you have from Jesus Christ was given to you for free. It was given to this church for free. This church has been blessed not because we're owed anything, it's because Jesus loves us. If we have a good turnout on Wednesday night with children, we get to spread the gospel to some people, I want you to know it's nothing that we've done, it's nothing that we've advertised, it's because Jesus loves us. If we have a revival and we get revived and we have a good time, if we meet, we have fellowship, if you hug on one another, if you stand up and testify and cry and have a good time and have a good altar meeting and pray and seek the Lord and we see things turn better, it's nothing that we're owed, it's nothing that we've earned, it was free. Free. That's the kind of love that Jesus has for us. Same kind of love that we should have with our spouse. He loves us no matter what we've done. Freely. Not costing us a dime. As they get a verse of some song if you, real, if you really want a real relationship I want you to know that you know you can have a spousal relationship. You can have a, a boyfriend, a girlfriend. You can have a fiance. I don't, I don't know. You can have all these different relationships. But if you want a true one, 
that never does wrong, always approaches it right, that loves you unconditionally beyond anything you'll ever do, beyond anything you'll ever say to them. A relationship with Jesus is the only one you're going to find. A relationship with Jesus is the only relationship you'll truly find where there's no opinions, there's no heartaches, there's no, there's no squabbles, and even if there is, He fixes them right out of the gate. It's the same way a marriage should be. A marriage should be just as strong as that relationship we have with Jesus. Do you have that relationship right now with Jesus Christ? Do you have it with your spouse? Before we do this altar call, I want you to know there's husbands that need to be praying for wives. There's wives that need to be praying for husbands. There should be an altar full of people tonight because there's love that's been given freely by Jesus Christ that you did not deserve. You, you didn't, you wasn't owed it. You don't deserve it. I want you to know if you got love in your life tonight, you got it from Jesus Christ and you didn't deserve it. If you've got a spouse, you got somebody that loves you, you didn't deserve it. They give it to you freely. There's a lot of people that should be on their knees tonight thanking God for the love that's been placed in their lives that they didn't do nothing for. I feel love from this church. I feel love from my wife. I feel love from everybody in this church. There's been some people that's given me opinions before that they might have thought hurt my, my feelings, but you know what? I still love them. I still appreciate them. There's been people that said things to me, you know, and I might get red-faced when they say it, and that's what I do. I'm sorry. It just shows. I can't hardly hide my anger. But I still love them. Do you love one another? Truly? Can we walk around the church and hug necks and not feel any resentment, not feel any problems, not feel any uh, kind of uh, uh, persecution or anger with anybody? Now, I'm, I'm done with the Song of Solomon. We, we ain't going to get on relationships for a while, I hope. <laughs> I hope I don't have to. Because the relationship that we should have focuses on Jesus. We've already said that. If you've got problems, you should give them to God. You should let God take care of it. Tonight, as we sing, what page you got? 